is the planet's ultimate game. Long range effort from Lloyd! Oh my goodness! It's the United States of America Day. Welcome to Pitch the Podcast. We're your hosts, Alessandra and Claudette. This podcast is dedicated to the world of women's soccer and the intersection of the game with gender, politics, and history. Welcome to episode four. Do we have to welcome them twice? Like, I guess we're, that's nicer. Oh, did you say welcome? No, keep, I think this is, they feel very... Okay, so I, yeah, I need to be explicit in my welcome. Yeah. Welcome to episode four. We're going to talk about the France-USA game on Friday and break that down uh, line by line. So we're going to talk about defense, midfield, and the forwards, and some of the strengths and weaknesses. Then we're going to talk about what's been going on in the NWSL since uh, the World Cup has started. And, oh, sneak preview of that, there will be some Sky Blue FC news. (laughs) So have that to look forward to. And then we'll finish up with a little bit of a preview of the England game, which is tomorrow, Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern. And I'm really excited. Oh, you're excited? That's kind of... I'm really excited. Unexpected. A little weird that you're excited. I actually... <laughs> I actually have um, presentations. Like, I'm giving a presentation and t- up until... 315. <gasps> no. And if, like, the last, like, 10 minutes are dedicated to questions, so, like... You have to give, like, one-word answers, so you can answer many questions <laughs> in the time that you allot. <laughs> or or the first question, I'll just cover everything that I think is going to be asked. I don't know if that's your best tactic, but... That's what, a poor strategy, You know what tactics right. we can talk about? The women's national team. <laughs> Let's talk about USA's tactics. That was a smooth transition. Yeah, we actually planned that ahead of time. So let's start with the back line. That's good. Go up, down, up, uh, down from up. <laughs> so against France, we had Becky Sauerbrunn and Abby Dahlkemper as our two center backs. And Kelly O'Hara playing on the right and Crystal Dunn on the left. Uh, and then we had Julie Ertz as a defensive center mid, but she definitely is a big part of that back line. And we see that in her stopping the plays and uh, being in the box for a set plays. Yeah, definitely in transition, she helped out. And actually, late in the second half, they switched to a five back and she was playing next to Becky and Dahl Kemper. But the outside backs were crucial, I think, to this game. Kelly O'Hara, Crystal Dunn, both very attacking-minded. Crystal Dunn, actually, I think both both of them were converted midfielders. Yeah, uh, they were definitely put through their paces in this game as well. Uh, like you said, they were. They are very attacking-minded, and they were getting up a lot. And then they would have to, you know, really haul ass, haul butt, haul booty. <laughs> I'll beep. <laughs> we should beep that out. That'd be like cool. You know, we would sound. Why do you say we? Why do you say we? I'm the only one that edits. But it's my input, so it's a collective thing. Collaborative effort. They really had to get back because France, they were also attacking down. The... They were attacking down the flank. Uh, especially Crystal Dunn was 
had some really big plays stopping. For sure. For sure. And on the France side, they had Diani on the uh, attacking on the left. She was playing right mid going against Crystal Dunn. And that was a great matchup to watch. I think she really gave her a run for her money in terms of matching her for pace, which is something that Crystal Dunn isn't really used to. Um, but I'll say that I think Crystal Dunn was the woman of the match. You don't think she that didn't Pino, have a perfect you, game? You Pino kind of scored two goals. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. The but defensive I think woman that's, of the match. No, I stand by it. I think Crystal Dunn was the woman of the match. She didn't have a perfect game. Uh, she is the kind of player who dives in, honestly. <laughs> she dives in a lot. But since she's, like, so quick, she is able to slide and if she doesn't win those slide tackles, which she does the majority of the time, she's able to get up and recover really quickly. So she performed really well in this match, and I was super excited about it, especially, as we're going to talk about later, considering her comeback from the Dunn effect last World Cup. It's also interesting because she she is very attacking-minded in the NWSL, and she plays more of an offensive position there. So it's interesting that she's able still to perform so well as a, a fullback for the U.S. side. Yeah. So moving on to the center backs, they definitely keep the, the back line really organized and super clean. They, they shift them really well back and forth. They also are able to play the ball out of the back so so calmly, and they're really confident in doing well, so. Well, okay, I have to interject. I have to interject. I, I don't know... If you saw some of the goals that were scored, but uh, playing out of the back, especially with the keeper, has kind of been a shaky spot for us, and we've conceded a couple goals that You know way. what I think it is, though? I really think that it's a listener. I think, I think she's still... Whenever I watch her, I really get the sense that she doesn't feel that confident. I, I have to agree with that. But I also think that there's been a lot of talk about the U.S. goalkeeper problem just because how do you follow Hope Solo? And I think that's kind of unfair to hold every goalkeeper to that standard, and I think Alyssa Nair has performed really well. Another thing that she is like fantastic at is her distribution. I don't think she gets enough credit for that in terms of like throws and punts like goal kicks are going beyond like way beyond the halfway line consistently and that's something that like people don't really notice because the camera is constantly on Hope Solo in the crowd. It's true it, it, they they did focus on Hope Solo quite a bit this match. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of weird. And there's a weird dynamic going on back and forth. Remember there. when she Remember when she ran for president of the U.S. Soccer Federation? <laughs> I honestly thought you were going to say that she ran for president, which I wouldn't be surprised at, at given our point, political yeah. climate. <laughs> back to the center backs. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> One thing that is really positive about this back line, specifically our center backs, if you compare them to past World Cup years, is how much they've improved on having a more possession-based game uh, coming out of the back. In past World Cup years and just in past 
women's national teams, we've seen them be pretty direct with how they're getting the ball up. But especially with this team, I mean, as technical as they are, they, they really benefit from having this this slow buildup of play that's pat that's um kind of passed through the the mid and onto the forwards. So and then it starts with the Yeah, backs. I agree. I agree. I think that's gonna be critical in their game uh against England tomorrow. Actually against France they had only thirty nine percent of possession and that was kind of a result of scoring so early in the fifth minute, like and that's something that they've done consistently. I think every match so far they've scored uh, in the first 10 minutes. Yeah, actually, we, we've scored our first goals come within 12 minutes in every single game that we've played, which is remarkable. Which is, yeah, hugely impressive. I think that also leads us to get a little complacent and change the style of play so that we're sitting in more and uh, our second goal didn't come until the 65th minute, which isn't ideal to be defending for that long. Um, even though the the U.S. is known for being um, an athletic team, England brings that same athleticism, and I don't think that the U.S. will be able to wear them down as well as they were able to, as well as they have been able to in the past. So, Juliards has proven to be a link between the center backs and the center mids, playing in that holding mid position. Like Claudette said, she has been really great at breaking up the counterattacks of the other team uh, and just, just having some really big tackles throughout the whole game. And also, she's such a presence to have in both boxes for set plays. Yeah, it's actually crazy watching her with that like ne- like near post run on on the corners they like triple team her and it's just so ineffective i here's what i think i think there's a magnet in her head and secretly head. they put one in the in the ball so uh-huh. then and two magnets when they come together if you have a positive end and a negative end they they are attracted to each you, other are you a woman in stem the other two midfielders who played on Friday, Sam Mewis and Roosevelt, I personally am huge fans of both of them. She has been a phenomenal player in the midfield, linking the mids with the forwards exceptionally. Her, her, her vision and her through balls are, are so fun to watch, and they're, they're so smart. Every time she plays a final pass, you're, you're in amazement how she's able to find that angle She's very smart. Yeah, especially that, like, quick first ball. Like, she has that vision to, as soon as we win the ball back, look for those wide runs, look for Alex Morgan's feet, and really get our attack going. First of all, I'd like to point out that Lavelle Rose is the shortest player in the midfield by at least four feet. So that joke wasn't that funny, but if you could have heard the, the lead up to it, you would also be laughing with the me. First, the first take was a lot worse. Yeah, we plan all of our, we script the humor in this. Improv. Everything is a lie. Nothing is real. Birds aren't real. 
We have to. You knew that was coming. I knew. Did you guys know it was coming? Because we knew it was coming. And if you love birds, you're going to love this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, back to Lavelle Rose. So, yeah, Lavelle Rose, crazy fast footwork. And what she does differently than Sam Mewis is she uses this crazy footwork and she pulls in like two, three defenders and then is able to pass the ball off to someone that has become open from her pulling in all those defenders. Her confidence is just astounding for someone who's 24 years of age. Also worth noting, Lindsay Horan did not get the start on Friday. We're not sure what's going to happen tomorrow, but that was definitely a change that was somewhat unexpected coming from Jill Ellis. Yeah, it was interesting to see the level of response uh, from the fans. If, if you look at the U.S. Women's National Team Instagram page, and when they post the lineup, <laughs> there's just so much response. And when people are like, why Their haven't you put Allie Krieger in yet? Everyone, It's always Allie Krieger. It is Allie Krieger. <laughs> Um, people were talking about... No, remember? Remember it's Allie Krieger's fake <laughs> account that she created? Uh, listen to the last episode for uh, context to that comment. Yeah, so when this lineup, USA versus France, was announced, people were in an uproar because Haran wasn't starting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's, <laughs> let's keep in mind by uproar, she means four Instagram comments saying... Why isn't Lindsay Horan <laughs> starting? Uh, it might have been more like 20. Uh, no. <laughs> there are four Lindsay Horan comments and 400 Allie Krieger comments. <laughs> it, is, it is cool, though, that uh, the fans are so invested in, in the lineups. That, that is definitely yeah. a really positive thing. One thing also interesting, and I want to know your opinion on this, so you could definitely you'd keep Ertz in the midfield. No way you would change that. But then you have Mewis and Lavelle Rose, and you have Lindsay Horan. Who who are the two that's you would start? That's such a bold. That's such a bold assumption for you to make. You wouldn't keep Julie Ertz in the. I think here's what I think. If you really want to know, I think that Becky Sauerbrunn and Julie Ertz is a great combination. And they've worked really well together in the past. And I think that they would be really strong as center backs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I think Sam Mewis could drop into that holding mid role. And Rose Lavelle and Lindsay Horan can play attacking. That's definitely a different style of play. And Julie Ertz brings a lot more stability to the midfield. But I think when we need to score goals, Lindsay Horan is really effective. That's actually... A really interesting perspective, and I'm thinking that with that lineup, if we if we did have Mewis, Lavelle, and Haran as center mids with Juilliard's dropped back, I think you would see a lot more, you know, shorter passes and, and nicer, quicker combinations playing out from the back. Moving on to the forwards, Alex Morgan, don't know if you've heard of her, Tobin Heath, and Megan Rapino. The reason that I say Alex Morgan, I don't know if you've heard of her, is because she has not scored since the Thailand match. Granted, she scored five goals, but her golden boot title is in jeopardy. 
Sam Kerr scored five goals. Megan Rapino has now scored five goals. And Ellen White, who plays for England, has also scored five goals. So even though Alex Morgan says that she just wants to win the World Cup and doesn't care about the Golden Boot, we all know that that's not true. Yeah, when you have to specify that you don't care about something, <laughs> that means you care about it you the most. Care. Right. right. <laughs> so, yeah, Morgan has not converted her chances lately, but she is able to create chances out of really difficult situations. She's able to, to make just a yard of space, if that and then get a shot off. And you see her, you see her, um, you know, doing quick turns and shots and a quick touch to a shot in, in really tight spaces. It's very Kristen Press-esque, I'd say. Going back to the uproar for a second, people have also been very... The uproar regarding... The lineup, Lindsay, the right? lineup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People have also been very upset that Kristen Press hasn't been getting a lot of minutes. And rightfully so. She came in maybe like 86th minute on Friday. And it's just silly to think that anyone can make an impact in that little time. It is hard. I I almost feel like Jill Ellis sees her role as this forward that's going to press the back line very heavily. (laughs) Ha press. That's probably where she got the idea. Let's be real. (laughs) (laughs) So, and, and I don't know, um, you know, if Kristen Press would be able to convert more than Alex Morgan. I, I don't know if I've seen that. I know she has the technical abilities, too. I think Jill Ellis has good reason to have her come in off the bench. She has an ability to read the game and come in with fresh legs. She has incredible speed, and she can execute, similarly to Alex Morgan, creating chances out of thin air. Uh, but I, I think that she needs more than five minutes to make her mark on the game, and hopefully that's something we'll be able to see moving forward. And not that I'm hoping for this, but if the opportunity comes that we need to be scoring a goal in the, in the later parts of the game, I think she'll, she'll be someone that Jill Ellis will look to. People are also concerned because Alex Morgan is dealing with a slight injury. So, what do you mean the people? <laughs> you really really have your finger on the pulse, don't you? I've never heard Are you a I've EMT never, or something? I've never heard that joke before. And you know, as an EMT, you only have your finger on the pulse <laughs> when you're taking vitals, which is either once every 5 minutes for an unstable patient or once every 15 minutes for a stable patient. Listen up, future women in STEM. (laughs) And hey, hey, anyone can hear that, not just women. So what I was trying to say before (laughs) Clyde made that really, really funny joke is that Alex Morgan, you know, I don't want this to happen, but if she decides that she needs less minutes for her injury, then Kristen Press will probably see more field time. Let's talk about Tobin Heath, because not many people were. Uh, She really didn't show up for this game, except for a goal, obviously. But in the first 60 minutes, I would say, Tobin Heath was pretty much playing 
in Roosevelt's shadow on the right flank, and every ball that she was getting, especially from Kelly O'Hara distributing out from the back, she was really either going back inside or giving the ball away trying to find Alex Morgan's feet. So I wasn't particularly impressed by her performance. Scoring the goal (laughs) helped a little bit. But overall, I think Tobin Heath is a player who does best going forward and taking people on, and I want to see more of that. Look, if I don't see at least seven megs from Tobin Heath... It's a failure. I just... She she needs to get back on that bench. I don't know what to tell you. Finally, we have Megan Rapinoe, your MVP. Trump's too. Trump's MVP, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Hard not to talk about Donald Trump when you're talking about Megan Rapinoe these days. But So we'll get to that, but let's talk about her playing first, because that's the most important. Is she a soccer player? I kind of forgot. A politician. She, I think was their entire offense. Her and her and Sam Ewis. Sam Ewis does really start a lot of offensive plays. Yeah. I would say the majority of that whole game was played on that side. Crystal Dunn was able to connect with Sam Ewis and Megan Rapino and they were just working that out that poor, poor outside back. I think it was Taran, and and you saw you saw a lot of these of these quick give and goes that were happening between Pino and Don, uh, so they have, they have some really great chemistry. Yeah, and Rapino is able to take advantage of those quick passes, and she knows where her strengths and weaknesses are, and she's not a Tobin Heath, she's not a Kristen Press, she's not going to beat them with speed. But she is a really talented player who, whose fundamentals, I think, are the best on the field. She hasn't taken a poor touch, I don't think, during this tournament. And she's able to find those gaps and cut players inside and find those services. Also, finish PKs. That's, that's something. And her free kick was just unreal. It was... It was- I didn't see it, you know, the first time that it went in. I was confused what had happened. And then it took, took me, like, five replays <laughs> to figure out that she scored in the way she did where literally no defenders were able to touch her shot, her free kick, which... Yeah, it, it all happened so fast. It was fast. too fast. Too fast for France's goalie as well, apparently, but... Right, right. Pause for a sec. So we should move on to the Trump yeah. thing now? or Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. How we okay. So the reason we brought up Trump when Meg when mentioning Megan Rapino is if you haven't heard by now. So Megan Rapino was asked in an interview if she was excited to visit the White House following a potential World Cup win. To which Megan replied, I'm not going to the bleeping White House. The fucking White House. Bleeping, thank you. She said it, not me. <laughs> um, of course, Trump was extremely upset by this, to say the least. Uh, he sent out a series of tweets. You can find them on his Twitter. Wait, Trump sent out a series of tweets? Yeah. That's super off-brand. Atypical. I know. 
Yeah. Um, basically, he was telling Megan, or he was he was targeting Megan and, you know, telling her, you know, you should probably wait until you get the job done before you start talking about all that. And don't disrespect our country. Don't disrespect the USA or the government. This is, this is also definitely keeping in mind Megan Rapinoe's protest last year kneeling for the national anthem in support of Colin Kaepernick. So she's kind of had a target on her back for a while. And she, while she, that may have distracted some people from her play, she her past two seasons have been some of the best of her career. And she's clearly thriving under that pressure. And she's claimed that, you know, all this controversy doesn't affect her, that she, doesn't, that she ignores it. <laughs> on the contrary, I think that it... really helps her and that she's definitely taking this all in and using it to improve her game which like Claudette said we've been seeing there's no way that she wasn't thinking about Donald Trump at some point during that game of course I mean you saw her celebration I feel like she was like come at me Trump following the whole Trump debacle Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez later tweeted at Megan Rapinoe and invited her to the house of congress to which Megan Rapinoe <laughs> replied, of course we're going to come. Of course, I'd be delighted to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then... I love Twitter. Uh, Twitter, is, Twitter is our political platform. Follow us, by the way, at Pitch the Podcast. <laughs> this whole episode we're is just really a plug. We're really active on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> we're so active. Yeah, we're actually all of Allie Krieger's fake fans. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, overall, I just think that the Megan Rapinoe and the whole team has faced a ton of pressure to perform really well this World Cup, and the expectation, frankly, is that they'll win. To add on to that, with the fight for equal pay that the women's team has been having with the U.S. Soccer Federation, uh, that pressure is definitely heightened. Yeah, so their argument is seen to be potentially weakened if they don't win the World Cup, uh, which isn't true. I mean, they, they've been successful in many other World Cups and international tournaments, so losing this World Cup wouldn't ruin their argument, but people are worried about them not. Uh, what? <laughs> I don't know. No, you're good. They've, they've definitely had tremendous success, not just on the field, but in terms of support. Recently, Nike reported that the U.S. national team women's home jersey is the highest-selling soccer jersey, men's or women's, for any season, which is pretty dope. Meanwhile, in the NWSL, we've had some some done effect going down. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting because the players that we wanted to highlight were actually players who were playing in the World Cup. Most notably, Sam Kerr. Yeah, Sam Kerr. I mean, her first game back gets a hat trick. Probably to make up because she hasn't been there. So she's making up for the fact with a hat trick. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you guys remember, but Australia was very much in the World Cup and they lost a really tough game in PKs. Sam Kerr missed her PK. We don't like to talk about it, but it happened. And then she came back to the NWSL less than a week later and scored a hat trick. 
So, Marta also uh, saw the back of the net uh, in her first game back with Orlando Pride. Unfortunately, that was also the game where Sam Kerr got her hat trick. (laughs) (laughs) That just sucks, man. Yeah, I mean, especially Marta. That was her last game with Brazil. And for her to come back so quickly. Yeah. I don't don't know if you saw the interview that she had after that Brazil game, but it was really... It was goosebumps-inducing. All right. Do do you want to break the Sky Blue news? So we have some breaking news from Sky Blue. Trigger warning. (laughs) It's maybe highly upsetting to some of our listeners. Uh, Sky Blue FC lady, if you're listening, you might want to turn <laughs> the podcast off. So their head coach, Denise Reddy, was actually just fired. Uh, tears. Shock. Despair. <laughs> it's heartbreaking, really. She was doing such a good job. You know, it's hard, though. Like, we, we can't completely um, undermine all the work that she's done. Yeah, we can't completely we can't completely just crap on Reddy's performance <laughs> simply because Sky Blue doesn't have that many resources. Uh, it is hard to amass success with the few resources that she has compared to some of the other NWSL teams who are partnered with MLS teams, like we've mentioned before in one of our earlier podcast episodes. Take a listen if you want. So definitely two sides to this to this story. But I think sadness to the the <laughs> the organization is is looking forward, and they're in last place at this point. Um, they have been for the last couple of seasons and. Obviously, something has to change. So, they have fired their coach. Another change coming is Savannah McCaskill, one of their key forwards and good player, was traded to the Chicago Red Stars. And they Sky Blue now is getting the first and second round picks in the 2020 NWSL draft. So... While this may seem like really bad news for Sky Blue, I think that their future could be really bright. And Carly Lloyd coming off of a World Cup win, potentially, could just be on fire and save their asses. Ultimately, it's all coming down to the Sky Blue FC lady. So keep cheering. Say it loud, say it proud. Sky Blue FC. let's get to our quick preview of the england match coming up they are coming off of a win against norway but also earlier this year they won the she believes cup so that's a tournament with the top four nations in the world so usa was in it england was in it obviously brazil was in it and japan was in it so england won that High-level tournament. So they're definitely in in strong and, form this year. And they've 
been consistently a good team. Last World Cup, they lost to Japan in the semifinals. Japan obviously went on to lose to the U.S., but they're a strong team. And an interesting story with their manager was only recently hired 18 months ago, Phil Neville, former Manchester United player, but really has very little experience coaching. And so his success as a manager has been somewhat surprising, but it makes for an exciting England team to watch. And their two forwards, Paris and Lucy Bronze, have been seriously difficult to defend. And I think, once again, our outside backs will just be crucial to winning this game. There's a lot to watch for in Tuesday's game, USA versus England, at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Keep a lookout for Allie Krieger and all of her fans that are going to be filling the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> also, definitely keep an eye out for the starting mid-lineup. That'll be interesting to see if there are any changes made there. If Haran gets the start. And... And hope for a USA win. Hello. It's the 4th of July coming up, so that's a reason. So we need to, to win. Otherwise, 4th of July for... will feel like the 5th of July. It'll be canceled. Yeah. Seriously, though, the U.S. is expected to win. However, the talent on this England side should not be underestimated. My prediction... For the final score, 2-0 U.S. 3-2 U.S. Ooh, that's an exciting game. I know. I live on the edge of (laughs) excitement. Okay, I I think that's about it for this episode. If you enjoyed this episode... Tell your friends about it. You'll love this podcast. (laughs) I hate that joke. Tell your friends about it. Seriously, tell them they can follow us on Twitter and Instagram with our handle at Pitch the Podcast. You can also find this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So share that with your friends as well, because, you know, we're the next big thing. If you love the game... We can't, we can't end with we're the next big thing. That's just embarrassing. But that's... You gotta fake it till you make it. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's close this out. You do it. No, I... If you love the game, you will love this podcast. That is how we should say that every time because it honestly is horrible. I hate that. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thanks for listening. Bye.